Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is my great pleasure to be with you on this Sunday, April the 3rd, 2022. And if, like me, you got up an hour later, thanks to Daylight Savings ending, then you will have watched Insiders and Josh Frydenberg, the Commonwealth Treasurer of Australia, give an absolute train wreck, train wreck of an interview. Where to start with Josh Frydenberg and his terrible performance on Insiders? Of course, this week we've had the Commonwealth budget handed down. Van and I discussed that on the week on Wednesday. Do check that out for our analysis of the budget. Today, I'm going to focus on what happened on Insiders, as well as some of the industrial issues that are happening around the country that goes to the heart of why we have such a problem with wages in this country and wage cuts that are happening right around Australia. And I'll also briefly talk about the situation in Ukraine and the changing dynamic there. Also want to give a shout out to a friend of the week on Wednesday, a podcast by some friends of Van and I, uh, Tor and Patrick, who run a podcast called OK Smart AWS. That's OK Smart AWS. It's a podcast all about tech and tech issues. If you're interested in tech, check them out. It's really a very interesting, uh, two very knowledgeable people talking about technology issues and various pieces of tech that you might be interested in. So do check them out. They're friends of ours, neighbors, and we wish them well with their podcast as well. But let's get into Josh Frydenberg. So what he refused to do on Insiders was commit to funding aged care wages. So the Fair Work Commission currently has a case before it that could see wages in aged care lift to a level that would bring it into line with community expectations. Labor has committed to this. Albanese, in his budget reply speech on Thursday, said that Labor will fund aged care wages being lifted. It will also bring about a whole series of staff-to-patient ratios, uh, transparency around profits, transparency around nutrition spending and nutrition levels, a whole range of things in aged care that Labor's promised to do. Frydenberg has refused to do the first and most basic, which is pay the workers properly. Now, he tried to spin this away and kind of give, uh, you know, oh, there's an independent body for private ones and we have to listen to them. But let's be really clear here. The Fair Work Commission does look at capacity to pay. And check out Sally McManus, the leader of the Australian trade union movement, her Twitter feed. She tweeted about this straight away going, if the Fair Work Commission doesn't think there's capacity to pay, they're not going to give the wage increase. And what David Spears clearly said on Insiders was that 60 to 65% of providers would need funding from the government. Josh Frydenberg's refusal to guarantee the funding, his refusal to guarantee the Fair Work Commission increase to aged care workers' wages makes it less likely that workers will get wage increases. That's what it means. That's the reality. All their talk about wanting to lift wages, all the rest of it. Right there, Sunday morning, 3rd of April, 2022, Josh Frydenberg has put forward a policy 
that means aged care workers get paid less money than they will under a Labor government. That's what he's done. Make no mistake about it, that's what it means. There was some discussion, how would this be paid for, da 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 Well, how would this be paid for? You end the waste, you end the rorts, you end the mismanagement, you end the $5 billion for infrastructure projects that have no business case, but they're things Barnaby Joyce wants to be able to go and stand in front of. You, you end the arbitrary random amounts that are put into defence. You end the random arbitrary caps on investment and arbitrary caps on taxation. These kind of bizarre neoliberal frameworks that have come to poison our economic debate in this country. You know, it was Phil Curry from the AFR talked about the NDIS as having gone off the rails. Well, every dollar that's spent in the NDIS, every dollar that's invested in helping Australians with a disability returns $2.25 to the Australian economy. That's an investment. You know, it's so sad to see the Australian Financial Review have fallen so far away from its core purpose of understanding and explaining finances and economics to the Australian people, that they've become totally preoccupied, totally captured by the resource industry, by conservative neoliberal thought, to the point where having basically dismissed the NDIS as a waste, as a spending program, he then praised our total resource exports. You know, it just boggles the mind. Frydenberg, of course, was pushed by Spears pretty well on a couple of key points here. He was pushed by Spears on the issue around medicines. So Michael Sucker, the Assistant Minister to the Treasurer, announced a $10 cut to the price of medicines, which wasn't in the budget. He was Frydenberg was asked about this repeatedly. He refused to answer. It was one of the most awkward and awful exhibitions by uh, by a finance minister or a treasurer I think I've ever seen when he clearly, clearly had it in the budget originally and cut it out. The Morrison government clearly at some point intended to cut the price of medicine for ordinary Australians by $10 per prescription, by $10 per prescription, and then decided to take it out of the budget and nobody told Michael Sucker, and nobody changed Michael Sucker's speech. This is not the first time this sort of thing has happened. It happened when the Morrison government was changing the laws around casuals and the Fair Work Act as well. We had a senator get up and give a railing attack against a whole range of things that the Morrison government was now actually doing. Uh, a whole range of praising of things that the Morrison government had dropped. You know, they are they are totally incapable of managing themselves. Frydenberg continued to be partisan and attack Labor. Even when Spears said, what's been the hardest thing from the pandemic, and I invite you not to be partisan, all Frydenberg could do was be partisan against the Victorian government. And his budget where Victoria is essentially shortchanged once again, is another example. It was a really interesting set of talking points from Frydenberg in that he talks about 
temporary cost of living relief. Measures that are temporary and targeted to reduce the cost of living. Now, I would have thought that the government wants to permanently reduce the cost of living and permanently improve the living standards of ordinary people. But apparently not. Apparently, Josh Frydenberg has gone on national television to tell us all he only intends to do that on a temporary basis. And the panel picked up really quite well, I thought, on the fact that all of the attacks against the Labor position on aged care and how we're going to pay for it seem to be heavily gendered. They're heavily gendered. Aged care is a feminized industry. Nobody's asking how Morrison intends to pay for the $5 billion contract break fee that he has to pay on the submarines that we're now not getting. Nobody's asking Morrison how he intends to pay for the wage increase that he's going to have to offer to get more people into the military. These are all things that Morrison is happy to waste money on. You know, Spears did make the point about the dam, did make the point about the lack of business cases for these huge slush funds. We know the Liberals love a slush fund. We know the budget's full of them. We know it's full of cuts to schools. It's full of cuts to the arts, to culture, to higher education, you know, and $3 billion in cuts that have been decided on but not yet announced. That is disturbing. It wasn't raised on insiders. I think it's worth raising again here because there is $3 billion sitting in the budget papers of cuts that have been decided on but not yet announced. And frankly, Morrison won't announce them until after the election. Of course, the election has not been called this weekend. It will probably be called towards the end of next week. Morrison is dealing with the political fallout of the failure of the New South Wales Liberal Party. His personal ambition, his behaviour, the behaviour of his supporters has been drawn very starkly into the spotlight. But let's not forget the core business of government is to improve the living standards and improve the lives of the Australian people. And that's why I want to talk about the Fair Work Commission and the minimum wage case. Australian unions have put in a 5% claim to lift the minimum wage. We know wages have gone backwards over the last 18 months. We know they're predicted to go backwards again over the next 12 months. And nothing the Morrison government is doing is going to lift those wages. Jobs will continue to be insecure. There are more people working more, more multiple jobs than ever before. And we know that jobs are more insecure than ever. What Australian unions are doing is saying, let's lift the minimum wage. Let's lift the floor and improve the bargaining power of working people. It's a very good strategy. One in four workers relies on the minimum wage case to set their pay. This could lift 25% of people's wages. Of course, we've seen business lobby groups like the Master Grocers, who represent some of the biggest wage thieves in the economy, say, no, no, we should actually have a real-term wage cut of anywhere up to 2%. Morrison hasn't 
hasn't, just like with aged care, hasn't said that they'll support a substantial and positive increase in the minimum wage. And of course, we've seen around the world, New Zealand's lifted theirs by 6%. We've seen around the world where you lift minimum wage, you increase employment, you increase discretionary expenditure, you increase the living standards and the overall economic health of the community. There is so much going on in this space. And I really want to encourage people to go and check out australianunions.org.au And if you're not already a union member and you're listening to us for the first time, we do encourage you to go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W, to join your union because it is fundamentally the way that you can lift your wages and improve your job security. And I'll give you some examples of what's been happening just in the last few days on these issues. In New South Wales, nurses went on strike on Thursday, demanding staff ratios as well as improved pay and conditions. There are currently nearly 4,300 New South Wales health workers who are isolating due to COVID or COVID exposure. Huge pressure in that system. There are, as of today, 1,355 people with COVID in hospital in New South Wales. The New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, the union for for nurses in New South Wales, has taken this strike action for the second time this year, and not lightly, not lightly, but the health system in New South Wales is under huge pressure. And by standing together, those workers are saying, it's not okay that at the Wagga Hospital on any given day, they might be up to 25 nurses short for the day. People need accessible healthcare. By being part of that union, those health workers are standing up for their whole community. Tough Masters, which is essentially a carpet company. Carpet Court is part of the branding of what Tough Masters do. They're trying to cancel the agreement for the workers that would send them back down to minimum wages. This is an outrageous piece of industrial meanness, of cruelty. It's designed to cut pay and to diminish the rights of working people. The CFMU Manufacturing Division has held actions yesterday in three states right around the country, outside carpet court, to make sure that people understand that this is what's going on. You know, at a time when we're seeing more people renovate their homes than almost ever before and more profit in this sector than ever before, you've got a company wanting to cut wages. WA Newspapers, which is owned by Liberal backer Kerry Stokes, has locked out the workers there for 56 days. Now, the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, the AMWU, is running a solidarity fund to help those workers pay their bills. Their employer has locked them out, just like the New South Wales government locked out train drivers and railway workers in New South Wales. Kerry Stokes has locked out the people who print and make the newspapers in WA. 56 days they've been locked out of their workplaces. They want to go to work. They want to do their jobs, but they're being denied. McDonald's has targeted union members and underpaid workers in five states across over 129 stores. 
the SDA, the Shop and Distributive Alliances, the, the Union for Retail, Fast Food and Warehousing Workers, is taking action and it may involve up to 9,000 workers who've been underpaid and discriminated against. Secure Corp, which outsources the workforce, security guard workforce, to a company that it owns in order to put those workers onto a nine-year-old enterprise agreement, wages which are hugely out of date, 10-year-old wages. This is a company that provides security to Victorian police stations, to the state library. Those workers rallied around the state during the week as well. You can see in every state, in every territory, whether it's the private sector or the public sector, there is desire by some governments and by some corporations to drive down wages and drive down working conditions. And it's the union movement standing up for working people. Scott Morrison doesn't even mention these issues, doesn't even raise them as a problem. You've got companies, profitable companies, cancelling staff agreements to drive down wages. Qantas is the classic example, a company that is subsidised by government that unlawfully outsourced thousands of workers and still refuses to rehire them, that is trying to cancel the agreement of flight attendants. The flight attendants union is standing strong in that case, but trying to bring them back to minimum wages as well and take away their job security. Again and again, we see companies trying to take away job security. So I think it's a huge issue. I think it's a huge issue for the election. I think Morrison doesn't want to talk about it. I think Labor is talking about it, and rightly so. The union movement is active. It's out there on this, 10,000, 15,000, somewhere in between there. People put core flutes out during, during the budget about Morrison and what he's refusing to do. doesn't see it as his job. You know, the Fair Work Commission has been very clear. The Reserve Bank has been very clear. The Business Council of Australia has been very clear that government does have a role in setting wages. It does have a role in setting the power dynamic framework that allows workers and business to come to agreements on wages and conditions. But Morrison doesn't want to talk about it. And his treasurer goes on insiders and refuses to commit to funding a minimum increase in aged care workers' wages. So that's what I took out of Insiders, is that the battle for wages and job security is real and it's live and it's very clear at this election. You can vote Liberal and have more of wage cuts and job insecurity, or you can vote Labor, who are backing increases in wages in aged care, increases in wages in childcare, staff to patient ratios in nursing, and are supporting improvements in the way workers can negotiate pay and conditions. The other quick issue before we go from the weekend wrap is that obviously Ukraine, the situation there is evolving. Putin's war has not gone according to Putin's plan, and now we're starting to see Russian forces withdraw from around Kiev. Vladimir Zelensky addressed the Australian Parliament on Thursday and 
It was a very moving speech. The Australian government will be sending the uh, armoured personnel vehicles to Ukraine. What we're now starting to see as Russian forces withdraw to the east and into the Donbass and sort of back into the more Russian-speaking parts of Ukraine is we are starting to see reports of massacres having taken place uh, in Ukraine. We hope that those reports are inaccurate. We suspect and we fear that they're not. We suspect and we fear that there have been atrocities. We know that there have been bombing and artillery fire atrocities committed by Putin's forces in Ukraine. It does lead one to suspect that the reports of some mass graves are probably accurate. We'll see more in the next few days as those Russian forces pull back. Zelensky has made the point that many of the towns and buildings are mined and booby-trapped and that people need to be careful. Autocrats are bad for democracy. Autocrats are murderous. Their regimes are vile. They abuse not only their own people, but others, and that's what we're seeing with Putin. Hopefully, the situation in Ukraine does come to a more peaceful resolution soon, and that any war crimes that have been committed, those who committed them are held responsible and accountable and face justice. I don't want to end on a down note today. I want to say that in March, the week on Wednesday had its third record month of downloads in a row. 40,000, more than 40,000, almost 41,000 downloads in the month of March. Huge, huge congratulations to everyone who's liked, shared, commented, chipped into our supporter page. It's happening because you're making it happen. You're getting the word out there. You're helping us fund our advertising and targeted campaigns. Don't forget to join your union. Don't forget to check out OKSmartAWS.com, the podcast. It's a tech podcast. Friends of ours run it. It's great. Also, this week, I'll be on on The Job, the official podcast of the Australian Union Movement, uh, talking to Francis Leach about the budget and the political ramifications. And we did a video recording, so we'll see how that's turned out. But once again, as always, until I get to talk with you and Van on Wednesday, for the week on Wednesday, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.